0: All right, Chabosay, good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsor, our Talmud Responsors sponsors for the month of Teves. Yol and Sarah Kelman, for dedicating all the Shurman Drashos this month. In honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tahel, and in the chus that all of the couples davening for children will have their telos answered, Bekarov. To thank Stephen Terry Zinn for dedicating all the Shur shows this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin, Tzvi, and Naftali Moshe, and Shirley Elbaum, and family in commemoration of the air of Shirley's husband, Jerry Elbaum. Jerry Elbaum, Reb Yaakov, Kapol, Ben, Rebbe Ram, Menachem. We hope that in the merit of our Torah, the Nesham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And will said, with that, let us begin. Let us begin. Good. Sorry. Okay. So we'll say we have a lot to do today. beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Yod Zayin 17. And we are picking up Emirat Sashem on Tess Zayin Amid big, like I said. A lot to do. And we are picking up in the wide lines, three lines in, to the set of wide lines right below the short lines, right below the thin lines. So yeah. the Megillah says, still quoting from the Megillah. So beautiful passage at the end of the Megillah. The Jews had light, joy, or I should say light, happiness, sason is translated as joy, and yikar, honor. Says the Gemara, what does this refer to? Ora zu Torah. Ora refers to Torah. Like refers to Torah of who Omer Kiner mitzvah Torah are. So what that means is that the beauty of Purim was in the aftermath part of the celebration of Purim was a was a recommitment to Torah. You must remember again if you go back over here to the beginning of this narrative, the beginning of the Dracha San the Megillah, if you remember again we saw that one of the things that Haman said to Ahashverosh, remember again, he said, Yeshno am echod. So remember again, what did Ahashverosh say? They have Torah mitzvot. So what did, what did Haman say? Yeshno, yeshnu. Right? They've become lax in their observance. They've become lax in their commitment. So you see that the Jews were mechabal, that muster, and part of the celebration of Purim is a recommitment to Torah. So the Gemara says Rabbi Yehuda, "Or zut Torah." Omer, "Kiner mitzvah v'Torah are v'Torah are." Simcha zuyamtiv. Simcha means they made into a yamtiv. V'cheinu Omer v'Samachte b'Chagecha. Sason zu mila. Very interesting. What is joy? Joy is mila. Shneb, because the pasuk says, "V'cheinu Omer sas anochi alim rasecha." So Yikar Yikar refers to tefillin. V'cheinu Omer v'Raukhal Amayarit kisheh Hashem nika'alecha v'Yarimim mekha. The nations of the world will see that the name of God. Has been called upon, Pandu and they will fear you. This refers Dafka to the head Tfilin, which everyone is able to see. Shabbos said, This is very interesting. What does Brismila and Tfilin have to do with the Purim story? So Rashi says something fascinating. Rashi says, Zumila, the Alkal Rashi apparently seems to indicate that Haman also legislated against the performance of certain mitzvahs specifically the performance of tefillin and Brismila, which is fascinating because that's not alluded to anywhere in the Megillah itself, right? Remember again, Haman is not really Haman unlike, let's say, Antiochus. right? Antiochus by the, by the Hanukkah story, was much more focused on assimilation, right? So the way to accomplish assimilation is legislate against the performance of mitzvot. Haman was not interested in assimilation. Haman was inter- interested in what? In Annihilation, right? Which is why, by the way, just so you understand, that's it, for example, interestingly enough, on Purim, there's a mitzvah of physical simcha because we celebrate physical salvation. Hanukkah there is no mitzvah of se'uda, right? There is no mitzvah of physical celebration because there was no physical, sal- I mean, there was a physical salvation, but that wasn't the essence of it. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, the Es so Aseres bin Haman. a very interesting Gimara. So we'll say, remember again, we list all ten sons of Haman. Amr of Adad min Yafo Aseres Haman, Va Aseres, bin Achos. We'll say, you have to go ahead and say the ten names of Haman's sons, the ten names, and Aseres bin Haman, that, that phrase, all in one breath. My timer, what's the reason for that? Because they were all killed together. Right, in other words, they were all hanged at the same time. Furthermore, the Vav of Vizasa should be elongated, like literally again, should be elongated like, Kimorida delivros is like the pole of the boatman of the Nahar Livros, okay? My time, what's the reason? But it's very interesting, you know, when we have this image in our mind of the sons of Haman being hanged, at least I always thought about it, that, you know, you have gallows, and they were all hanged together across. The universe seems to indicate that, in fact, it was a long pole, and they were all hanged one below the other. That's the way it was. So therefore, again, the Vav of Vaisasa is elongated a little bit to highlight the longer pole. Incredible. So we'll say very interesting. Whenever you have a shira, right? A shira. Now shira is going to mean different things. When we think about shira, we think about Az-Yasher, we think about hazino. But interestingly enough, from the gemara's perspective, the way the when the writing of the sons of Haman and the Megillah, is, or, or the writing that they were hanged. Is also called Shira. So the Gemara says, how do you write Shira? Shira is written Ariach Agabilena. Literally translated it means a half a brick on top of a whole brick. Now we'll say what that means is if you look at the way Shira is written, for example, in the Torah, right, you have it's not a full line of writing across, right? You have writing, space, writing, space. And then on the next line, and then on the next line, it's, it's the opposite. right? So you might have space, writing, space. So that what you have is each little block of writing is essentially surrounded on both sides by space, and there's space underneath it as well. So that's called Ariach Agabe Levena. That's a halacha that that's the way that Shira is written. Chutz, with the exception of, with the exception of, the Gemara says, um, with the exception of Chutzmi Shirazu, except for this Shira. So, as I just what's this Shira? The ten sons of Haman. How were the ten sons of Haman written? Remember again, they're written in two columns. Right Now, you read it across, you don't read it down, but they're written in two columns. So, you have name, space, name, name, space, name, name, space, five times, right? So, for ten sons. Why is that? So, that's called Chutzmi Shirazu, umalchei kina'an. And interestingly enough, in Sefer Yoshua, when the Navi details at the end of Sefer Yoshua, all of the kings that Yoshua conquered or that they conquered in Sefer Yoshua, those names, are, if you were to write, you know, we're not used to seeing Nevi'im on Klaf, but if you were to see the Navi, the way that we write it on Klaf would be the same way we write the sons of Haman. Right? Name, space, name, name, space, name, name, space, name. What's the reason? So the Yamara says, we call that, we call that, We call that a half a brick on top of a half a brick, which means writing on top of writing. And which means empty space on top of empty space. My time, what's the reason? That ultimately, again, it symbolically represents that the names, right, the Rashaim should have a downfall and they have no way of getting back up. Rashi says, Kivyacha, like, there's no room for the Russia to get back up. See, I say, when the Shira is written and there's writing and then there's blank space, that blank, space is, that blank space is viewed as quote-unquote room for that which is above it. So if you were to write the name of Rishon, you were to write the name and then blank space, that would represent that the Rishayim have the ability, so to speak, to get back up. By writing the name of Rishayim one on top of the other with no space in between, there's Kiv no space for the Rasha to get back up. The Rasha, the evil person, the wicked person, has been fully vanquished. So the gemara goes weiter. So the gemara says, "Vayomar Melech Esther Amalca B'shusan Habira Hargo Hayyudim." So, we'll remember again, the rest of that pasuk is as follows. So, uh, the king says to Esther Amalca and B'shusan Habira, "The Jews killed Hamish Meos Ish, the ten sons of the ten sons, of Haman." And then again, he says to her, "Masha'ilasech Vina'selach." What else do you want? supposed to say now watch this. Says Vayomar Melech Esther Amalca. So the gemara says, "B'shusan Habira Hargo Hayyudim Amrab Yavo." Melamed Sheba Malach V'Satru Alpiv teaches us that the Malach came and literally again slapped Achashverosh in the mouth. Meaning what? That when Achashverosh began to say the Jews killed people in Shushan, he wasn't saying it in a happy way. He was saying it in an accusatory way. We'll say this goes back to the narrative of Chazal that Achashverosh was not a lover of the Jews. He never was. He never was. Haman gave him an excuse to do perhaps what he had always wanted to do. But at the end of the day, again, just because he changes his mind, and ends up executing Haman. And ultimately, you know, sides with Esther indicates no love for the Jews. So he, again, he's about to malign the Jews and Keviach the Malach comes, like I said in yesterday's it's amazing. Yilas Esther has more angelic intervention than any other story that we seem to see. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Malachim everywhere. So the Pasik says that when she comes to when she comes to when Esther came before the king, Amar ha-sefer. So the gemara says, what does that mean? Amar Umra So first of all, it's talking about Esther. It should be Nekeva. It should be Umrah. Furthermore, Esther said, let us say by mouth what is written in the Sefer. Look at Rashi. Rashi here is on the left-hand side. Esther was legislating that when we read the Megillah, the Megillah should be written down. When we tell the story, the story should be told with the scroll. Shalom When you call the Megillah Divrei Shalom MS, it's comparing a Megillah to a Torah. The Torah is the paradigm or the essence of MS, and therefore the Megillah should be written just like a Sefer Torah. How so? Just like a Sefer Torah has Sirtut. So if you ever look very carefully at a Torah, at a scroll, you'll notice that there are lines etched into the parchment. That sirtut is a halacha la Moshe Messina, law, just like Sefer Torah has it, Swami Gila should have it as well. U ester so the Gemara says, ma'amar ester in divrei Somos lo. So the Gemara says, well, one second, it sounds like only the legislation of Esther regarding Purim is there, but Tainus Esther is not there, Ultimately, again, it means that for all generations, both the fast day as well as the celebration of Purim are in existence for Klaudis Yisrael. So the Yamara says, um, Kimordechai Yehudi, Mishla Malkha the godola yehudim, the Ratsil Rodeka. What says at the end of the Megillah here? So the Megillah says, Because Mordechai the Jew was the second in command to the king Achajerosh. Godol le Yehudim, he was great for the Jews, right? Godol le Yehudim, he was, or he was made great within the Jews. Beratze Rove Echov, he was beloved by the majority of his brethren. The of his brethren. The of his brethren. Says the Gemara, l'Rov Achav, Echov. Now we'll say, I want to point something very interesting, which is very interesting out. Point out something very interesting, which is as follows. You know, even in Halakha, if we think about this, let's say in Yerodeah, we have a concept of a Rov and a Mi'ot. So whenever we speak about a Mi'ot, Right, a minority, a minority that is incredibly insignificant, which was like a miyot she'inu matsui, is not even recognized in halacha. So, when you, when, so what, what this means is as follows, that when, when, when halacha, or in this case when the Megillah, mentions rove, rove tells me that what? There's a significant minority. right? It's a minority, but it's not a minority. Don't think, this is not like a 90% loved him, 10% didn't like him. This means that this is a significant minority of the population that did not go ahead and like Mordechai. Now, granted, Baruch Hashem, it's great to have a majority, but at the end of the day, again, don't think for a second, this is a 5%, 10%. This is a significant, what we call a miyot hamatsui, a significant minority. So the Gemara says, what happened over here? And we'll say, this is fascinating. Who are the people who really distance themselves from Mordechai? Ultimately, again, it was the Sanhedrin. Rabbi say now the the, the, incre- the incredible part of this is Mordechai was formerly a member of the Sanhedrin, so it's his former it's his former Hevra, right? It's his former peers that distanced themselves from him. Rashi says, why do they distance? They thought that he made a terrible mistake. By ultimately leaving, leaving the Sanhedrin and leaving Jewish communal work, and entering into the service of the king, they felt that that was a betrayal or a shirking of his responsibilities to his people. So I'll say very dramatic, very dramatic. See so here, what the Gemara is highlighting over here is, in the eyes of the common man, it could be they loved Mordechai. Who were the people who really distanced themselves, the members of the Sanhedrin, because they felt that he was making a tremendous mistake. You're needed in the community, not in the king's court. So the Lord says, I'm Yosef. What do you see from here? You see from here that in a certain way, Talmud Torah is even greater than saving lives. Now we're going to qualify that statement. In the beginning, Mordechai is listed as number four. Or I should say he's number five. He's listed after four sages in the listing of sages. And later on, he's listed as number six after the fifth person. May K'riksiv, Asher B'omzru Bavel, Yeshua, Nehemia, Serayah, Raalia, Mordechai. Right. So again, right. Mordechai is listed after number four. Right. Mordechai is listed number five. Right. Mordechai Belshon Lubasov K'siv, Hedim Zru Bavel, Yeshua, Nechemia Ezra, Raamya, Nachmani. Then Mordechai Belshon. Ultimately, he's listed as number six. So you see that Mordechai is standing goes down. So we'll say this the, the statement of the Gemara is a very strong one. That Talmud Torah is even greater than Hatzalas Nefashos. So we'll say, what does that mean? So first of all, it can't be literal, right? Because Hatzalas Nefashos, saving lives, saving lives is of paramount importance. So, but what the Gemara is highlighting over here is at the end of the day, there's a cost-benefit analysis. And so as well, as I think about this just a moment. Who's right? Who is right? Mordechai or his colleagues? Who is right? Did Mordechai make the right move or not? We don't know. You have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Could Mordecai have accomplished? will say, things turn out a certain way. I don't know what Mordecai accomplished for the king or what he didn't accomplish for the king. I have no idea. Right? Did, he, did he save Jews from other edicts? Did he make the right choice? will say, life is all about choices like this. When you make a choice? Obviously, Mordecai thought this was the right choice. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it. Was he correct? Was he incorrect? This is the great question of life. We have to make choices all of the time. And those choices come with sacrifices, and did I make the right one, did I not make the right one? That, that I find out after 120, all I could do is to make the best, well-informed decision I can. So it's interesting, it's clear that Mordechai's rabbinic colleagues thought he was dead wrong, they thought he was dead wrong, but they're angry at him, they distance themselves from him, they feel, they feel like he's shirking his responsibilities. Mordecai obviously feels that his responsibilities lie elsewhere. We'll say, and again, I just want to point out it's incredible that this is how the Megillah closes. Because the Megillah, remember, is the story of the Jew in the diaspora. And this is, this is our narrative. I'm faced with decisions all of the time. And the truth is, they both have merits. They both have merits. And which one do I choose and how do I know? You know, I'll we'll say it's, it's just a good discussion all of the time when people come to discuss something and they always ask how did I know I'm making the right decision? And the simple answer is, you don't. You don't, that, that, that's the, this is the great challenge of life. And I don't mean in situations where one choice is wrong and one choice is right, right? Those are kind of obvious, right? The khazars in one hand and the chopped livers in the other, you know, that, 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 that's clear, right? But, but 99% of life is not like that. I often have two good options in front of me. I'm trying to choose the better one and I legitimately don't know. That's the story of the Megillah. I could help the Jews in the court of the king or I could go back to the base medrash and help the Jews in the community. Which one do I do? Mordechai chooses the king. His compatriots feel wrong choice. Wrong choice. Who's right? Only HaKadosh Baruch Who knows. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Listen to this. Learning Torah is even more important than the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Shekhozman she Ben-Neriah Kayyum Lohinichu Ezra va'Allah. Well says this, because as long as Barach Ben-Neriah, who was Ezra's Rebbe, was alive, Ezra did not leave Bavel to go back to, Eretzor, to go back to, Eretzor, to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. Only once Barach Ben-Neriah dies, does Ezra go back to go ahead and rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. say, isn't that an incredible, incredible Gemara? You know, we sit here every single morning and we learn Torah. And the truth is, yes, learning Torah is beautiful, learning Torah is a mitzvah, it's an obligation, it's uplifting say, do we ever think that what we're doing now is even greater, even greater than rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash? And that's, that's an unequivocal truth stated by Chazal, forever eternalized, Megillah, Daf Zion, Ahmed Beis. The greatest thing, could you, greater than building the Beis HaMikdash is sitting and learning Torah. Absolutely incredible. I'm say, of course, by the way, I just want to point out, whenever you see Chazal making these statements like Torah is greater than saving lives, Torah is greater than rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash, You have to understand also what Chazalah trying to highlight over here is when you learn, you better yourself and make yourself ready in life for these other tasks. If I build myself up through the learning of Torah, I'll be zocha to build the base HaMikdash. If I build myself up through learning Torah, I'll be zocha to save lives, you need to save lives, to inspire others with Rukhnias, to inspire others with spirituality. Torah is like the spiritual vitamins, right? It's the spiritual regimen every day that if I take it, I bolster myself spiritually and make myself into a better person, and then I can go out and impact the world in such dramatic ways. This is an incredible one. Talmud Torah is even greater than honoring your parents. Honoring your parents. What does this mean? Shekal Osan Lo because we remember again, the Gemara Chazal see a connection between the days that Yaakov was, or the years that Yaakov was away from his parents and the years that Yosef was away from his parents. So interestingly enough, the Gemara says that Yaakov, excuse me, um, yes, Yaakov, sorry, Yaakov is only held accountable for the years that he spent in Lavan's home. And the years that he tarried, like in Sukkos, when he came back, to tarried Yisrael. But he's not held accountable for the 14 years that he spent learning in the yeshiva of Shem and Ever on the way to the house of Lavan. Why does the Torah go out of its way to reckon the years of Yishmael? In other words, why do we care about how long Yishmael lived? After all, again, Rashi says, he's a Rasha. Because it's through the years of Yishmal that we can see actually the lifespan or the timing, the timeline of Yaakov Avinu's life. Yishmael lives until 137. How much younger was Yishmael? Sorry, how much older was Yishmael than Yitzchak? Our base Sarshnin. Yishmael was 14 years older than Yitzchak. Avram ben Hagar. Avram was 86 years old when Hagar gave birth to Yishmael. Right? Avram ben beno. And we know that Avram Avinu was 100 years old when, when Sariminu gives birth to Yitzchak. So 14 year difference between Yishmael and Yitzchak. The Yitzchak ben, she, shim, Shana Baladas Osam. Awesome. was sixty years old when he had children. Yaakov and Esav, Bar Yalad So how old was Yishmael when Yaakov Avinu was born? Bar Shim ve, Arba ultimately again he was seventy-four years old. She says he was seventy-four years old when Yaakov Avinu was born. So, how many years ultimately again are left in his lifespan? 63 years, right? Because this is 137. 63 years. So, watch this. Yaakov Avinu was 63 years old when he got the bracha from his father. And in that time, Yeshmal died. Yeshmal died. Va'yar Bayar, Esaf, Ki Ki Bar is the Esaf Saw, Aes of Bayar, Esauf, Ki Birach Yisraq es Yaakov, Vayelech, Aesov El Yishmael, Vaykah as Machalas Bas Yishmael, Achos Nevayos. So the Pasik tells us that when Yaakov got his bracho, Aes of Saw, again that Yaakov had blessed that excuse me, that Yisraq had blessed Yaakov. So Esaf goes to Yeshmael. And he marries Machalos, the daughter of Yishmael, the sister of Nevaos. Now, if you're telling me that she's the daughter of Yishmael, I know that she's the sister of Nevios. Why do you have to tell me that? Because it comes to teach me that what? Although, Yish, although Yishmael agreed to the Shidduch, Yishmael died before his daughter, before Machalas got married, and her brother Nevaos is the one who actually married her off. Which tells us again that at this point in time, Yishmael dies when Yaakov Avinu is sixty-three years old. ad demisialid Yosef. Now remember again, it's another fourteen years until Yosef is born. Right, another fourteen years. So you remember. So therefore. Yaakov is sixty-three years old when he leaves his parents' home. Fourteen years until Yosef is born. Ha shivim That would put that would put Yaakov at seventy-seven years old. Uksiv Yosef ben shana Paro. And then the pasuk says Yosef was thirty years old when he was brought before Paro. Remember again, this was to interpret the dreams. Ha So ultimately, again, that would put that would put Yaakov. At a hundred and seven years, so the Gemara says, the shiva v'tarti, the I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Ha mea v'sheva v'shev. Right, that ultimately again would put it at right. That's correct. At, at, at one hundred and seven years, so the Gemara says, shev de'sivah v'tarti kafno, You then have the seven years of plenty, the two years of famine. Ha mea v'shissar. That would put Yaakov Avinu at a hundred and sixteen years old. So Paro asks Yaakov, How old are you? This is when Yaakov first comes down to Egypt. I am 130 years old. So we'll say, what are we missing? What are we missing? 14 years. In other words, we just did all the calculations. And based on all the calculations, Yaakov should be 116 years old. Yet the Torah is telling us, he tells Paro, I'm 130 years old. So the Gemara says, me, me, I'm sorry, but he's really only, a, we just did all the math. He's really only 116 years old. So where's the missing 14 years? Watch this. Well, so you know what we're not taking into account what's the missing 14 years? The missing fourteen years are the years spent in the yeshiva of shame and aver. Let's say it's really incredible. We have literally a fourteen-year block unaccounted for in the lifetime of Yaakov Avinu. Where did that fourteen years spent in the yeshiva of shame and aver? That when Yaakov Avinu is on his way to the house of Laban, he recognizes that he is going to be living in a spiritually hostile environment for a prolonged period of time. He bolsters himself spiritually by remaining, again, 14 years in the yeshiva of Shem and Eber. So the Gemara says, <laughs> Yaakov I mean, literally was mutman. But I said mutman means hidden. hidden. It's not that he's hiding from anyone. It's that he's hiding himself. He's a, he has a fully immersive spiritual experience for 14 years. Uh, so the Gemara says, Aver Meis, <laughs> Yaakov leaves after 14 years. Two years after he left, Aver died. Aver died. So ultimately, again, therefore Yaakov Avinu left the yeshiva, goes to Aram to Lavan. So in reality, it turns out that he was really already 77 years old, which makes sense. He was 63 when he left his father's house. 14 years in the yeshiva of Sheva 77 by the time he gets to Aram Naharaim. So the Gemara says, Anish. So how do you know? How do you know that Yaakov Avinu was not held accountable for the 14 years that he remained in the yeshiva of Sheva So also when we talk about accountability, remember again that accountability is there is. It's interesting that there is a level of accountability that Yaakov Avinu has for not honoring his parents during the years he was away. But it's clear that the 14 years he spent in the yeshiva of Shem and Eber is, not, is not part of that tally. me aviv. So I'm also, listen to this. So because you see Chazal equate the 22 years that Yosef is, quote-unquote, away from his father to the 22 years that Yaakov was away from his father. So the Gemara said, but one second, Yaakov is not away for 22 years. How long is Yaakov been away for? Yaakov, vishisa havion. But say, how long is Yaakov away from his father for? How long? 36 years, not 22 years. It's 22 years of Bosa in the house of Lava. But I want to point out, Just the 22 years, and not just the house of Laban, the 22 years of the house of Laban, the traveling back to Eretz Yisrael, and remember again, the close to two years in Sukkos, right, this is also very important, the close to two years, I should say, from traveling back and in Sukkos. That's the 22 years in total. But we'll say, but it's not 22 years, it's 36 years. He spent 14 years in the yeshiva of Shem and So what do you see Ella? Our base said, the Havlev base Aver lo chashav lehu. Ultimately again, the fourteen years that he spent in yeshiva—that's not counted as part of the tally. both so said this is really incredible. So it turns out that Yaakov Avinu was really away from his family for thirty-six years. Thirty-six years, twenty-two years, Lavan, and traveling back, fourteen years yeshiva of Shem and Eiver. You see a strong connection that Chazal make between the time that Yaakov was away from his family and Yosef was away from his family. They connect the two, but Yosef is only twenty-two. Yaakov's thirty-six. You see from here that Chazal backed out the fourteen years of Yaakov Avinu's time in the yeshiva of Shemin Eber, which gives rise to the rabbinic adage that we saw on the bottom of Ahmed Beis, which is Yosem That learning Torah is even greater than honoring one's parents, because Yaakov Avinu again is not held is not held liable for failure to honor his parents during the years that he was learning in the yeshiva. Of shame and Ava, which I will say is really quite fascinating because you see from the eyes of Chazal they feel Yaakov Avinu spent too much time by Laban. He spent too much time by Laban. He should have gone there, gotten married, got out. Remember again, you know the, the whole seven year thing also is Yaakov Avinu's idea. Right? So, so so he should have gone there, gone there, married, and come home. Right? Somehow Chazal hold him accountable for that. So the Gemara says, Ela, tartin shnin. I'm sorry. Sof sof. sof the base lovan esrin shnin habyan. But one second. I say, if you do the math, Yaakov Inu is only at the house of lovan for 20 years, not 22 years. You're right. Tartin shnin. You're right. I just mentioned before. He spent two years traveling home. It is not a two year journey from Aram Naharaim to Kinan. Not, not at all. Not at all. He spent two years getting home. <coughs> So the Gemara says, "Yotzam Yeram Naraein Balal Sukkos Va'Asa Hashem Shmona Asar Chodesh." The Rabbos say he spent, and this is really incredible. He spent eighteen months in Sukkos. Shnei Emar VeYakov Nasah Sukosah VeYivan Lo Bayis UleMikmei Asah Sukos UbeBeisel Asah Shisha Chadashim. Eighteen months in Sukkos, six months in Beit El. Ultimately, again, two years. So we'll say this is incredible. Yaakov actually spent two years in Eretz Yisrael before coming home. So we'll say that's a whole Torah by itself. Like, why? 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 So again, Pasha shot by the way, could be why. Remember, he's trying to throw Esav off his trail. Because remember, again, Esav wanted Yaakov to travel back to Edom with him. Yaakov says, I can't. I can't. We travel so slowly. Could be that on a pashat level, Yaakovin was scared that was going to leave spies. So if he just rushed back home, it would show that he lied. So therefore, again, he kind of took his time getting home. But the truth is, there's a lot of complexities in the relationship as well that the M'farshim bring up. But in any event, we'll say, we, see, we see that Chazal, this, this supports Chazal's idea, Talmud Torah But I will say, ultimately, again, that sometimes the way to read these passages is Gadol Talmud Torah. Greatest Talmud Torah. Why? Because Yoser, you can give more to any other endeavor once you are bolstered and girded with the power of Torah. So Gadotama Torah, why? Yoser, you can give more Tatsalas nefashas. To helping others. Godl Talmud Torah, Yoser Mibinia Beis HaMikdosh. Great is, Torah is why Yoser, because you could give more. You could contribute more, Amir HaShem, to the future rebuilding, you could do more to facilitate the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdosh. Godl Talmud Torah, is great, why Yoser, I could give more to honoring my parents. The power of Torah is that it makes us better people. And by becoming better people, we do everything better. I say, quote unquote save, contribute to others better. I honor my parents better. And I do what I need to do, in Hashem, to hasten the rebuilding of the base on Mikdash better as well. <laughs> now, now don't, don't be sad. Don't be sad, right? There's a beautiful parak. There's so much more beautiful Agarata. Still ahead of us. we going to have a little Gemara first. But beautiful, beautiful Agarata lessons as well. Says the Mishnah. Bosei Mishnah. Megillah. Lo If a person reads the Megillah out of order, one is not Yotzay. One is not Yotzay. Lo Yotzah. Kara Alpeh. Similarly, if a person read the Megillah Baalpeh, in other words, not from the scroll, right? Or Kara Targum Becholoshon. Or say you read the Megillah in another language. Lo yotza, you are not yotze. Aval, korin Osal, osa l'lo azoz balad. So now we could, however, you could read, or say, you could write the Megillah in a foreign language and read it in that language as long as what, as long as what? You speak that language, right? So in other words, if I wanted to write a Megillah in, in English, I could write a Megillah, we'll discuss, write a Megillah in English and read it in English and that will be fine. What you can't do is read a Megillah in a foreign language and not understand it and be Yotzi. That's what it means when it says, Targum b'chol lo yotze." right? If you went in and you wrote a Targum Aramaic or b'chol lo yotze, you're not Yotzi. That's referring to the fact, if you write it in another language and you don't speak that language, you're not Yotzi. But you can go ahead and read the Megillah in a different language. If that's your language. V'alois shashama Ashuris. say, anyone who hears the Megillah in Ashuris. Remember again, Ashuris means Hebrew. Right? Hebrew. If you hear the Megillah in Hebrew, even if what? you even if what? Even if what? Even if you don't understand it. Kara so I will say, we'll define this case in the Gemara. Serigin means you read it in parts. We're going to see what it really means is you read, pause, read, pause. But the pauses are significant. That's kara serigin. Umisnamnen. Misnamne means you read the Megillah while you're dozing. Yotza, you're yotzei. Hayakosva darsha umagia. So we'll say, let's say you were writing, or learning, or fixing a Megillah. Imkivin libo yotza. If you had kavana, and I will say, so now, let's say while you're going ahead and writing the Megillah, fixing the Megillah, learning the Megillah, you, you're reading it also. So can you be yotzei mikra Megillah like that? So the Mishnah says, yeah. Imkivin libo if you have kavana to fulfill the mitzvah then it works. And if not, and if not, you're not Yotze. And I will say, we'll have to find, define the parameters of that case. What does that mean you're writing a Megillah? Literally again, I'm writing a brand new Megillah and I'm reading it as I'm writing. So we'll discuss what that means. But by passion, the Mishnah is saying over here is, if you're occupied in another activity, I will say, let's say I'm learning the Megillah. But it happens when I'm learning the Megillah, I'm reading it out loud, and it also happens to be what? Purim night. So I could be Yotze, I can be Yotze, With that reading of the Megillah, even though, even though I'm primarily occupied in a different activity, i.e. the learning of the Megillah. As long as I have kavanah to be Yotzei the Mitzvah, I'm Yotzei. So we'll discuss if Sam, Sikra, Kumus, Kan, Konsum are all different types of ink, but they're non-enduring inks. Similarly, again referred to al-Niyar diphtera, which is inferior type. Niyar is paper, Diftura's unprocessed parchment. Lo yotza, you're not yotze. say tehek suva ashuris ala sefer bidio. Right, so remember again, the Megillah has to be written in ashuris, which means again, Hebrew, with specific ashuris script on what we call sefer, which is what we call processed parchment, and with dio, a special kind of black ink, which remains. Again, we'll define all of this in the Gemara. So, so, we'll say, so the Gemara is intrigued by this idea. You're not allowed to read the Megillah out of order. Okay, how do you know this? The passage says, like it's written and like it's times. We'll say just like time cannot be experienced out of order, lo. So to the way it's written, can't be written out of order as well. To which the Gemara says, that's fine, but we're, we're not talking about how it's written, we're talking about what? How it's read. So savam tells me it can't be written out of order, that's fine. I'm trying to figure out, how do you know that you can't read it out of order? To which the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, these days shall be remembered and performed. We are comparing remembering to performing, or say celebrating. That's really what it means. It says performing. So, we'll say just like the celebration of days cannot be done out of order, right? The fourteenth always comes before the fifteenth. So the says, "I'm sorry." So to the remembrance, I so will say, "How do you remember?" Purim? Reading of the Megillah. So just as the Asiyah, the celebration, is quote-unquote done in order, can't do it out of order, so to the remembrance, right, which is the reading of the Megillah, cannot be done out of order as well. So we'll say that teaches me that you cannot read the Megillah out of order. Okay, so we'll say now, beautiful Gemara, listen to this. Tana, v'chein this doesn't just apply in Halal. It's, it's just like by Megillah. You also can't read Halal out of order. You also can't recite Kriyashma, which is this Mishneh Yomi. can't recite Kriyashma out of order. And you can't Davin Shmona Esrei out of order as well. So, we'll say, now the Gwara is going to go through each of these. Halal minolan. How do you know that you cannot recite Halal out of order? So, the Gwara says, Rabba Amr the Mizrak Shemesh Admevo'o. Right? Literally, again, from the east, the sun goes through its trajectory. So, we'll say, so what does that teach us? Rashi says, shishkias So we'll say, the same way that the sun always follows its charted course, so too mehulol shem hashem. When reciting halal, you have to go through the normal order, the normal charted course as well. Can't read halal out of order. Rabbi Yosef, says, this is the day Hashem, right? Nagila This is the day Hashem set aside for celebration. Shabbos, which teaches me what? Just like the day, right, has an order, right? The hours of the day progress in an order. So, to the praise of Hallel, must be recited in its order as well. Of Avi Amar, Shem Hashem the name of Hashem, should be blessed. will say this is Yehi, Yehi always should be in a certain order. This is the order for the praising of Hashem, and the order should not be disrupted. From now, and for eternity. Just like from now and for eternity, we'll say it's a linear progression. It's an order. You can't upset the order. So too, again, the order for the recitation of halal should not be should not be changed as well. Incredible. So the Immar says Kriyashma. Hadi. So, we'll say, so now we've established Megillah has to be recited in order. Halal has to be recited in order. What about Kriyashma? This is fascinating. Kriyashma, the Sanya, Kriyashma, Kikh Rebbe. So we say Rabbi says that Allah Maisa. Kriyashma could only be recited in Lashon HaKodesh. You could only recite Kriyashma in Hebrew. You cannot recite Kriyashma in any other language. say no, Not true. You could recite Shema in any language you want, provided that what? Provided that what? You understand the particular language in any language you want. So, my time with the Rebbe. What's Rebbe's logic? Right? What's Rebbe's logic? Why does Rebbe allow... For the recitation of Kriyash, or sorry, why does Rebbe say Kriyash can only be recited on Lashen HaKodesh? Because he says on the base, V'hayu b'av yasanyu. says, because Rebbe says, look, the Pasek in Shema says, V'hayu, V'hayu ha-divarim ha'ela. These things shall be. V'hayu, Rabbi means, according to Rebbe, that things must be preserved in their original state. And since the original state of Shema is what? Lashen Kodesh. Therefore, Shema can only be recited in Lashna Kodesh. V'rabanan. So, I'll we'll say that's the position of Rabbi. Rabbi, Shema can only be recited in Lashna Kodesh. my So, why did the Rabbanan say that Allah alamis? You could say Shema in any language you want. Amar Kra, Shema, because the Pasik says Shema here or listen. Lashon Sha'ata You can say it in any language that you are capable of hearing. So, in other words, as long as you can hear the language, as long as you understand. What it is that you're saying, you're good to go. i the Nami HaKsiv Shma. What does Rebbe do with the word Shma? We'll Rebbe uses that word Shma to teach you that what? Make sure you hear that which you are saying. Right? Hashmei Laaznecha. We learn this in Mishnah Yom. Let's say God loves Mishnah Hey, so again, make sure you're, you articulate a level of an audibility. So make sure you make sure you hear that which you are saying. The, hold. the on the other hand, hold that Someone who goes ahead and reads Shma and does not hear what they are saying is Yotzei. Okay, so the don't need that Rasha. So the Gemara says, what did the Rabbana do with the word Vahayu? So says, So Vahayu teaches me ultimately again that Kriyashma cannot be read out of order. Right? The order must be preserved. I, The Rebbe, Where does Rebbe learn out that Kriyashma cannot be recited out of order? Me Dvarim The pastor could have said Dvarim, but instead it says Vahayu Hadvarim. These words, so, Re- so Rebbe in the sense, teaches me that what? These words must be maintained in their particular order. V'rabanon, Dvaran haDvaram l'mashmolohu. Both say, the Rabbanon, they, they don't really dash in Dvaran haDvaram. Beautiful. So we'll say, so from, from, I just want to point out, <coughs> even though you have Mahlouk, Rebbe and the Rabbanan, both of them are what? Are agreeing that Kriyashma cannot be read lemafreya, cannot be read out of order. The I both say they have two different droshas, right? So one is v'hayu, v'v'yasnabiyu, they should be in their order, or ha But ultimately, again, both are agreeing that it cannot be read lemafreya. The Rebbe will say, the Mark goes on a little bit of a tangent over here. The Rebbe will say it must be that Rebbe holds that the rest of the Torah can be recited in any other language, because the Rebbe say, remember again, what did Rebbe say? Rabbi said that Halakha Lameisa, Rabbi said that maisa the drasha of, the drasha of, Rabbi says, Kriya Shema right, that ultimately again, Vahayu teaches me that Kriya must be read in lashon HaKodesh. The fact that Rabbi needs this drasha for Shema tells me that what? That he holds that the rest of the Torah can be read in any language you want. How so? So the Gemara says, Because if Rabbi felt that the entire Torah had to be read in the Lashon Why would you need a special drasha by Shema? The fact that you need a special Josha by Shema to tell you that Shema has to be read by Lashon kodesh tells me that what? That according to Rabbi, the rest of the Torah could be read how? How? In any language you want. Which the Gemara says, No, not necessarily. It's I'll tell you why. So the Gemara Ki Rabbanon. I might have thought that Shema means like the Rabbanon, say, what does Shema mean? Hear in any language that you could hear, and therefore there's a special dispensation that you could read Shema in any language. So, therefore, again, of Rahmana Vahayu. Therefore, again, the Torah says Vahayu to make sure that no, even Shema, like the rest of the Torah, has to be recited by Kodesh. Okay? It must say that according to the Rabbanon, they hold that the rest of the Torah must be read in Lashna Kodesh. How so? Because if, according to the Rabbanon, you think that the entire Torah can be said in any language, why would you need a special dispensation by Shema to read it in any language? If the entire Torah can be said in any language, I'll tell you why. You might have thought ultimately, again, like the Joshua by Rabbi. remember again, Rabbi Darshan's to teaching that what? They have to be Velashna Kodesh. Therefore, Kasach Rachmana, Kasach Rachmana Shema. Therefore, the Torah says, Shema, that you could hear it in any Lashem. Therefore, both sides, what comes out of is as follows. We try to take the machlokis Rebbe and Rabbanon by Shema and globalize it as a machlokis as to how you're supposed to read the entire Torah. Kamash Malon, you can't infer from this anything. Here's what I know. I know there's machlokis Rabbi Rebbe and Rabbanon about Shema. Rebbe holds Shema has to be recited in HaKodesh. Rabbanon say any language you want. I know that the reason this is being brought down here is why, because even the Rebbe and the Rabbana disagree about Shema. What do they agree on? What do they agree on? Shema cannot be recited "Shma Shema cannot be recited out of our nabo. We just saw Mishnah Yomi yesterday that we, how had we paskin. Shema can't be recited out of Freya in terms of what? You can't mix up the Psukim. If you did end up mixing up the, the paragraphs. You're still Yotze. Even though we saw in yesterday's Mishnah that ultimately, again, the paragraphs have a specific order, right? Shman, via Hafta relationship comes before Vayaim Shamoa Mitzvos, which comes before Vayomer Parashas Tzitzis, because Tzitzis only applies by night and not by day. Vayom talks about that apply all the time. Seeing that there's a specific ordering of the Parashios, if you said the Parashios out of order, you're still Yotze. If you start mixing, mixing up Sukim, Within those paragraphs, that, that's when you're not Yotze. Incredible. We'll say, what about Tfilah? We'll like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful Gimara. Tfilah, so remember again, going down the order. You can't say Shimona Esri out of order. So we'll say, now watch this. Tfilah Minalan, how do you know about Tfilah? So watch this. The Sanya, Shimon HaPakuli, his dear Shimon Esri brought Lifnei Rabbe Gamliel, I will say, listen to this. Shimon HaPakuli, Pakuli. We'll say, what does Pakuli mean? Look at Rashi. Pakuli means he was a cotton merchant. He was a cotton merchant. So we'll say, Pakuli, organized essay. So I'll we'll say I just want to point something out how incredible this is. A cotton merchant is the one who organized Shemona essay. So I will say so sometimes we think in life that there is a there's a choice. Either I become an outstanding Talmud or I have a day job. But you can't do both. Can't do both. Shimon Pakuli kind of blows that theory out of the water. Out as does Rabbi Yochanan HaSandler, as do many of our great and Amoran, who had their jobs. Who had their jobs. I will say, do not think for a second that these people had the luxury of just sitting and learning all the time. Their jobs, their jobs. And with their jobs, they found the ability to become excellent. See, people often talk about, oh, I'm a Balabas. And kind of like the, the, the explanation of what's oh, a Balabas? Really, what I do is I work. I work. I kind of dabble in Torah a little bit here and there. Right? But there's an acceptance that as a Balabas, I can have a certain level of learning mediocrity, spiritual mediocrity. I take off here, I take off there, I do this, I do that. I say, it's not true. A person might be a Balabas because I have to work. We all have to work, right? We all have to work. Being a Balabas doesn't mean that I don't have to be a Mitsuyon in my Ruchnius. Right? It doesn't mean that I don't have an obligation to be on with my learning every single day. There's no vacations from learning. There's vacation from your job. There's no vacation from learning. There's no vacation from my ruhnius. There's no, okay, I take it easy on this day, I relax a little bit more on this day. That's not what it means to be a balabos. To uh, Being a balabas is the crown accomplishment of a Jew, because you know what it means to be a balabas. You know what it means to be a balabas. It means I can live in two worlds and find a way to be successful in both of them. I can be a captain of my industry, hopefully, right, encounter incredible, incredible material success, and I am no less successful in the base measure. Shh. No less successful. Being a balabas doesn't mean I'm good over here and okay over here. Being a balabas means I find the koakli in myself to be excellent in every single area and arena of life. Shimonapakuli. Shimonapakuli. Shimon the cotton merchant is the one who arranged Shmona Esrei. So, what's such an incredible Yisrael? what did he do? So he did this before Rabbi Gamliel. Ala seder so watch this. So what's is an alternate version of this: 120 elders, and amongst them, and amongst them, prophets arranged the order of Shmona Esrei. So we'll say, Satan Rabbana, so now, here we go. So going we'll to say, it's actually interesting to kind of try to understand how do you go ahead and, and reconcile? Because again, you have a bracer that says, Shimon HaPakuli is the one who organized Shmona Esrei. Then you have, you have 120 elders, amongst them, prophets who organized Shmona Esrei. The Pashtos, the easiest way to reconcile all of this is, it's a collaborative effort. There are many people involved in the creation and ultimately organization of Shmona Esrei. So the Gemara, Satan Rabbana, Minayi Shaomrim Avos, how do you know that we say that so now we're going to go through the entire order of Shemona Esrei? So how do you know that you say the brach of Avos? Elokie Avram, Elokie Yitzchak, Elokie Yaakov. How do you know that we do that? Shene'emar, havol la Hashem b'nei Elim. well said, the Pasuk says, give thanks to Hashem. B'nei Elim, the sons of the great ones. The Elim, the mighty ones, are the Avos. That's how we know that we start. Elokie Avram, Elokie Yitzchak, Elokie Yaakov. Minayim she'omrim givuros, ato gibor. Li olam How do you know that you speak on the strength of Hashem? Havu Hashem, kavod vaos, Right? Give to Hashem, kavod, right, Little honor and strength. Omeni shomu kidusha. I say no that you say kidusha. Atakadosh. Shenei emar, Havu la Hashem, kavod shimon. Hishtach ha'avu Hashem, the Hadras Kodesh. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up, at the, this is a great Gemara, incredible Gemara. We'll pick up, Emirat HaShem, with the order of Shmona Eshay, Emirat HaShem, tomorrow. And we'll see, we're going to see why we say certain brachos and we'll talk about the order of those brachos as well. Shagayach, everyone. So, instructions. Thank you.